This is Charlie Key. You are listening to the Be a Light podcast. Matthew 5.14 says, You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Hey y'all, it is the 14th episode of the Be a Light podcast, and I can't wait for you to meet Taylor Burrell. Taylor is such a kind person, such a gentle spirit, a heart for God, and she's truly authentic to who she is, so you do not want to miss this episode. Thank you so much for joining me, Taylor. I'm super excited to interview you. You've always just been such a bright light and you truly like light up every room you walk in and I am so excited to get started. So let's get to it. What is your why? So in life, everything I do, I want to be able to be a light in other people's life, to be a sort of a refuge for those who feel they need it. My parents always taught us that we are so blessed and even in the lowest points in our life, we have so much to be grateful for and we have an incredible God that we need to spread to others to help others to understand that very same thing, that nothing is impossible. He's got everything in control. He can do all things. And so for me, my why and everything I do is just to bring glory to that, to be selfless and giving um, and just to show my gratefulness for all that I've been given, for all the opportunities I have and hopefully make a difference in other people's lives as well. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. Like, and that is, that's truly so um, evident throughout your life. You, you, you just, like I said before, you light up every room you walk into. And um, I love that. I love that because God, God put us all here for a purpose. And sometimes we can overcomplicate our purpose and think, you know, our purpose is what we do, but that's not what our purpose is. Our purpose is to be a light for other people. Our purpose is to be a light for Christ and to love other people and love God and just make the world a better place through that. And the individuality of our purposes really comes from how we live that out. And so I just love hearing you say that. It's so good. So one thing I find about you that is so interesting is your obsession with the Grinch. And I don't say obsession in a negative way at all, but I just want to know, like, (laughs) why do you love the Grinch so much? Oh, it actually took me a a pretty long time to figure out what it was about the Grinch that drew me in so much. Um, It was around the age of probably eight or so where I started to really pick up on the obsession Um, (laughs) all the time at Christmas prior to then, but then it began to be that I would watch it every week and then every day. (laughs) Then every Grinch thing I saw, I'd have to have it. So it grew very quickly and up to this point now, now I've got a Grinch room in my house, just about every Grinch thing you can think about. I finally realized what it is about the Grinch that drew me in. Um, Growing up, I didn't always feel like I had somewhere to fit in. I struggled to make friends. I struggled to relate to other people. I just often felt like I just was sort of there and no one quite understood me. Um, And one source of refuge I always found apart from my family were my dogs. I felt that I could go there and they were sort of a non-judgmental, welcoming, embracing area for me to go to. And I realized that that wasn't so much different from the Grinch. You know, he was different and unfortunately him for that and people outcast him for that. But the one kind of place of refuge he found was with his dog. Mm-hmm. Um, so I realized that I related to him. And then even further than that, um, there are so many really beautiful lessons that you can miss in the Grinch. I think my favorite one being that one person with the smallest action, just a little bit of kindness can completely life. And I think that's so powerful and so beautiful. And especially the fact that it comes from a child. I think it's this 
sort of childlike innocence that I wish we didn't all lose as we aged. So I just think it's beautiful. I think it can teach so much if you take the time to sit and listen. And so apart from just loving all things Grinch, I think the lessons specifically, that's what I love so much. That's so good. I love that. And I love how, you know, it sounds like such a, I don't know, kind of a, kind of just a fun, quirky little thing, but there is such a deep meaning behind it too. Like it was, he was a relatable character for you and still is. And, uh, and also I love what you were talking about with the, just the small act of kindness, because you never know like how something so small could radically change someone's life. And so there, like re- recently I've been trying to um, like, if I see something good about someone, instead of, you know, holding back and being like, Oh, they might think it's weird if I compliment them on that. Just, just compliment them anyway. Why, why are you holding back from, you know, bringing light and joy into somebody else's life? And so just, just little things, finding little things throughout every single day, just can really change someone's life. Just like they did in, in the Grinch with Cindy Lou Who. And also like you were talking about with coming from a child, I think, you know, the Bible talks about having the faith of a child and we, lo- we often lose that. And usually you think, you know, children are just, um, they can't do much, but really they can because, because they have such innocence and because they, they really just go for things, you know, <laughs> and they, they see the good in people, which is something that is so beautiful. And I wish we could all carry throughout the rest of our lives and not just leave that in our childhood. Sure. 100%. So your platform is the link initiative, educating the link on the link between animal abuse and human violence. And this is so interesting to me to read about throughout your social media and everything. So will you tell me about what that is and some of the things you do with it? Sure. So the biggest thing I've always been a huge animal advocate. Um, I'm starting vet school in August. So my entire life, I've known what I wanted to do. And I felt like my purpose was to help with animals. And so I knew that. So when it came to choosing a social impact initiative, it was just obvious for me that, that would, that's what it would be. But I actually began competing in MAO back when I was 10 in a preteen program in Virginia. And at that time, the social impact or platform then was simply just animal cruelty awareness and prevention. Mm-hmm. And it was very And I obviously went out and I tried to spread that message to help people understand that they needed to be aware of exactly what it is and what they can do to prevent it. But as I got older, I started to get the comments, well... Why should I care about that when there are so many other issues affecting people? Why don't we focus on those? And so I think that's what's so incredible about the link. It's not something many people are aware of, but animal abuse is what is considered the tip of the iceberg, so a red flag. If animal abuse is taking place in a household or within an individual if they're abusing animals, they're very, very likely to then go on and abuse the members of their household or to be violent in other ways. School shooters, mass murderers, serial killers. So many of them get their starts by abusing animals, but if we could stop them at that early stage when they're abusing animals, do something about it then, I think we could change so many lives, save so many lives. And so apart from just caring so deeply about animals, for me, it's about saving as many people as possible. And even further than that, especially when I go into schools, a lot of what I do is teaching kids exactly what it is and what they can do. The biggest thing I try to express to them is that Animals are living beings with feelings and emotions, and they deserve our love and our respect and our empathy and our kindness. If they do us no wrong and we can't give them those common courtesies, how are we supposed to give those to people that maybe we disagree with? Maybe we behave differently then. So it's really all about, in the end, kindness and compassion for everyone. Absolutely. That is so awesome. And 
I think that I think that's so interesting because no one like I've I know I've never made that link before between animal abuse and domestic violence. Like that is that is so interesting, especially with the with the early intervention with like, you know, seeing the red flag and, you know, maybe trying to get some help before they take it further and start abusing humans as well. I love what you're doing and I just applaud you with all your work. That's so incredible. So when did you create this initiative? So it kind of evolved from just animal cruelty awareness and prevention into really this link probably about four years ago. Um, At that point in my life, I was really trying to decide what it is that I wanted to do with my life, you know, pass even Miss Georgia competition, how I wanted to be able to carry on my social impact into my life in the future. And so that's when I started kind of thinking about exactly what I wanted to do as a veterinarian. And I realized that there's the potential for public health, sort of taking that sort of track. Yeah. It's kind of perfect. All that I've been doing can really run into that so easily. And I've always known that all of my advocacy is something I want to continue, no matter what the platform I might have, whether it's as Miss Rome or whether it's just as Taylor. I know it's something that I wanted to be able to continue and keep putting work into and trying to make a difference. And so now I have the opportunity to carry that into my career as well. Absolutely. That's awesome. So April is Child Abuse Prevention Month. So what are some warning signs that a child might be uh, being abused? Right. So a lot of things that you can look out for, especially teachers in schools, that's a great place for um, to kind of be aware for those lookout um, for those signs. Of course, bruises and unexplained uh, marks on the body, something that's kind of easier for us to pick up on. But a lot of what really is going to be telltale signs of the words coming out of those children's mouths or how they react to certain situations. So seeing when there's any kind of um, altercations in the classroom, how do they respond to that? Because unfortunately, in cases of child abuse and abuse in general, it's cyclical. So violence is seen and violence is repeated. And so kind of keeping an eye out for how they respond to situations, that's also a really good sign to look out for. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. That's so, it's such an important thing to pay attention to, paying attention to the people around you, because you never know how you could possibly help them in any, any kind of way and intervene early before it escalates to another level. Um, so like you said, you are going to school to be a veterinarian. What do you love about going to school for this? So I, like I said, I've always known that I wanted to be a veterinarian. I want to say I was four or five years old the first time I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do. So I think what I love more than anything is the fact that I get to see my dreams coming into fruition. Mm-hmm. One thing that's really important to me when it comes to being a veterinarian, of course, I want to be that advocate for animals, continue to do that. I want to save as many as possible because that's something that I really care about. More than anything, to me, it seems like an opportunity to give back. I found, as I mentioned, sort of a refuge in my companion animals. I found a place to belong, a place to feel safe and to feel understood. So for me, I'm giving back now. I'm making sure that other people have the opportunity to do that with their companion animals. I want to do whatever I can to make sure that they are around and healthy and safe for that. So it's really just really special to me that I get to sort of return the favor in some way. Yeah, that's so awesome. I love that you're doing that. And that's, you know, with anything in life, when things impact our lives, it allows us to go and give back and pay it forward and, you know, make the difference in someone else's life too. How long have you competed in the Miss America organization and how has it impacted and changed your life? So my very first time competing in any sort of MAO related pageant was 
in 2008, um, I did a Little Miss pageant, which in Georgia now we have the Princess program. So that covers up till age 13 when you begin competing in Virginia, where I grew up. There was a Little Miss program from seven to nine and a preteen program from 10 to 12. And so 2008 was my very first time competing as a Little Miss. So I guess that's goodness, somewhere in the ballpark of 14 years now. So it's been a while. Wow. Um, but I really have learned so much. I think kind of the biggest draw initially for me to compete, aside from the fact that my sister did it and my, I've always wanted to be just like her. So, mm-hmm. too. but I saw this network of incredibly powerful women who are doing such big things. But at the same time, I didn't look at them and think I could never be that. I will never be that. And I feel like a lot of times that's kind of what goes through our head when we look at the more traditional role models, you know, your celebrities, your political figures, whatever it may be. I saw these women who would take the time out to come and speak to me, to come and encourage me and inspire me. And it's really been something that I've tried to take into my life. Um, Crown aside, just when I see that little girl that was like me, the girl who doesn't necessarily seem to find a place to fit in, who is maybe struggling to express herself, maybe is not part of the in crowd, being able to seek out that girl and encourage her and to uplift her and to show her that so many things are possible and that she's so capable and so worthy. And that's been the biggest takeaway for me um, through the Miss America organization. And it's a big part of why I continue to compete. Absolutely. That is so great. And I love, I love how you do you, it is obvious, you know, just, you know, knowing you and seeing you, how you do take out time to go and um, just reach out to people and inspire young women who were in the same place you were one day. And I, the reason I love to compete is because of the relationships that you get to build with people. Because if, you know, I I believe if we want to change the world, we do it one person at a time, because if you can just impact one person's life, then they can go on and impact someone else's life and then they impact someone else's. And so it's like, it's like a domino effect. And I really believe in the power of that and the power of relationships and truly investing in someone and intentionally spending time with them and getting to know them and encourage them. So like you said, you and your sister compete together in the Miss America organization. What is the best part about that? So preparing for Miss Georgia, Miss America, whatever it may be, and competing, it can be stressful yeah. and it can be difficult. And sometimes you can start to doubt yourself. And while, of course, we need to try to work and be able to build ourselves back up, it's nice to have someone who I trust wholeheartedly and completely to be there to do that for me and for me to do that for her. Yeah. Um, but even further, I think what I love so much is that I know exactly what her character is. I know what she brings to the table. I know how incredible she is as a representative just being herself. And so I know if I weren't able to walk away with the state title, I know that there is someone else, apart from all the other incredibly talented, intelligent girls, but someone who I know deeply and profoundly, who is so beautiful in spirit and in heart, who would do such wonderful things with this job. And so it's lovely to go in you know, not just rooting for myself and not just rooting for my friends, but rooting for my greatest role model in life, everything yeah. I, I want to be. And so, I mean, it's just, it's a very special experience for sure. That's so good. And that, I, met, I bet that is super nice just to have throughout the week, have your sister by your side and um, just encourage each other and be there for each other because, you know, you can both relate, you know what it's like, you know, what's going on. Um, and so 
I think also what's so beautiful about y'all's relationship and just like seeing y'all, y'all encourage each other so much. And there are some sisters that I feel like, you know, the, the jealousy might come in, the competitive side might come in and you might, you know, but I don't see that happening with y'all. And even if it may happen, like on a, on a small scale, you definitely celebrate each other. And just from what you just told me, it was just so real. So genuine, you genuinely love your sister and you celebrate her no matter what, even if, even if it's maybe, you know, the plan for her to win and for you to not or vice versa. I know that y'all would both, you know, just celebrate each other. And with, with life, I think it's so important to be confident in who God made you to be, because when you're confident in who you're made to be, you're able to love other people more and you're able to celebrate other people more. Because when we compare ourselves, that's when competition sets in, when jealousy sets in. And then I really believe in life, like we can't, we can't serve our purpose well and we can't unite the world if we're all divided and if we're all competing against each other and comparing ourselves against each other. So I think with confidence and with loving others, you're able to celebrate people well. And so I love that you do that with your sister through this organization. I, okay, so this might sound weird, but your song in Miss Georgia last year blew me away. I loved listening to you. And when you posted it on your Instagram, I would just go back after Miss Georgia and just listen to it because I was like, I have to hear this again. This is better than the original. Like, (laughs) I love this so much. So when did you start singing? So I can't think of an actual age. Honestly, I feel like I've been singing forever, but I actually got my start singing in church. My Mm -hmm. dad and his siblings are incredible musicians and have always used their gifts to glorify God. And so I've just kind of always grown up doing that same thing, using my voice initially just in church. Um, Just kind of a little fun fact, I never really used to like to sing for other people. It was very difficult for me. I wasn't very comfortable with it. And something my parents always told me is that if God gives you a gift, you need to use it. Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of a scare in high school where I was having some issues. And for a while, I wasn't able to sing. And so at that point, you know, I really, really realized that I have to take advantage and use those gifts that God gave me to glorify him, but also to serve others. You know, I had people who would ask me to sing for them in the past. And I'd be like, oh, no, I don't think that's quite what I want to do right now. So learn to really think of others, put others first. That's been a lesson I've learned from singing generally, but also it's just definitely a safe space and a happy space for me, a way I can express myself. Even before I felt I was able to express myself through spoken word or to other people, I always found that singing gave me a sense of self. And so it's literally been a part of my life from day one, as far yeah. as I. That's so true. I agree with that too. And I sing too. So I, yeah, I really believe like it's such a beautiful way to express yourself and it can, it can be scary to, you know, put yourself out there and just, you know, sing in front of people. Cause that's a very vulnerable place. And, but I, I agree. Like if God gives you a gift, you better use it because he didn't, he didn't give that to you for no reason. You know, it's like someone gives you a gift and you just let it sit on your shelf instead of using it. It's like, you know, why wouldn't you use it and um, use it to bring glory to the person who gave it to you, use it to bring glory to God because he gave you those gifts. And I think if we, if we do everything that we do to the best of our abilities, then we are bringing glory to God because he gave us those abilities. Um, So in life, we get a lot more yeses than no's. So how do you, how do you deal with it when God, when you pray for something and God tells you no, or maybe he tells you, wait, how do you deal with that? So 
I've always been told by my parents again that God has three possible answers. It could be yes, it could be no, or it could be not yet. And I think the best way I've learned to deal with that, because sometimes it is disappointing when the things you want to be a yes or the things you want to be right now don't happen. Mm -hmm. It can be frustrating and it can be upsetting. But something that's really helped me to kind of overcome those disappointments when I don't get my yeses or I don't get my right aways is that God has a very particular purpose for you with a very particular timing. Yeah. It's going to happen on his timing. So I can't stress myself about something not happening because that simply means it was not meant to happen or it wasn't meant to happen yet. And that's harder some days than others. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely what I try to keep in my mind. One of my favorite verses, Ecclesiastes 3, 1, to everything, there's a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. And that's kind of something I have plastered so many different places in my mm-hmm. life. When those disappointments come, I look at that and I'm like, you know what? It's okay because something better is coming or something's coming when it's supposed to. Exactly. Amen. That was good. And um, that's so true. I think everything that God gives us, every opportunity he gives us is a blessing and it's a gift and we can't strive to keep it. I heard, I think it was Lainey Redmond. I don't think that's her last name anymore, but I heard her say something on podcast one time. She said, everything is life is everything in life is a gift that we didn't earn. So we shouldn't strive to keep it. And so if God wants to close a door, then he'll close it. And if he wants to open a door, he'll open it. And he has every right to do that because he plans for our destiny and not for our current desires. And I know that for me, like if half of the things happened that I wanted them to happen, then I I would not be where I am today because it just wasn't God's plan for me. It wasn't a good thing for me, even though I couldn't see it at the time. And so it's so important to keep that kind of eternal perspective, I guess, of, you know, at the end of the day, God, God is bigger than me and he knows more than me. And so I'm going to let him take the driver's seat in my life and I'll, I'll just ride in the passenger seat. I'll ride shotgun. So it's very evident that you live a very authentic life. You're so confident in who you are with your authentic self. So how do you manage to stay authentic in a society that pushes perfection? So I have struggled severely with confidence, with adequacy, um, with like said in a world where there are so many seemingly perfect people and social media especially is something that sort of pushes that into your face and can make it very difficult to stay true to yourself and to find that confidence and being your authentic self. But I think one thing I try to do especially is surround myself by positive, uplifting, encouraging people, you know, surround myself by like-minded, authentic people so that when I have those moments of doubt, when I have those times where I'm not quite feeling like I'm as wonderfully made as I know I am deep down, I have people to turn to or I have things to turn to, whether that be scripture, whether that be motivational posts or people, you know, I surround myself with as much positivity as possible because I think something that we do often, especially in this digital age is we turn to technology or we turn to those socials, especially when we're feeling down because it just happens to be sort of habit, right? And then that just sort of perpetuates those feelings. Mm -hmm. Finding those positives and surrounding yourself with light instead of those negative things. I think that's the biggest thing in terms of keeping yourself confident and keeping yourself authentic. And then, of course, portraying yourself in that light, you know, being comfortable and true to who you are. I think of Instagram comes to my mind, you know, you see sometimes these perfectly crafted posts, 
perfect, perfect time of day. One thing I've pushed myself to do is say, Hey, if I have something that I feel I want to share, I don't care what it is, as long as it's appropriate and it's positive, I'm going to share it. I don't care when that might be. I don't care if one person sees it. I don't care if 12 people see it because at the end of the day, maybe I'm sharing something that will encourage someone else mm-hmm. and so I, that way as well. That is a wonderful way of thinking about it. I love that. You know, it makes me think of you know, input equals output. Whatever you surround yourself with, that's what you're going to get out. That's what your thought life's going to be like. Um, and so it's so important, like you said, to surround yourself with positive things. And I love that you were talking about, you know, if it touches one person's life, then that's all that matters. And so that's that's kind of how I've, like I said earlier in the podcast, that's how I'm trying to live my life recently is if I have something positive to share, I should share it. It doesn't matter if... It doesn't matter if some people judge me because even if it touches just one person, then it was worth it because um, with the small acts of kindness, just it can radically change someone's life and you may not ever even know it, but you know, why hold back? So how do you stay motivated to work and be the best version of yourself um, without getting, without overworking yourself and getting to a point where you're just going a hundred miles per a hundred miles per hour and never stopping and feeling like, you know, your life is going, you know, you're feeling overworked, I guess. I will be honest in saying I have always been a very hard worker, sometimes to a fault, Mm -hmm. Um, had issues with perfectionism in the past. And so very much like you said, you know, I tried to avoid it, but oftentimes I would find myself working and working and working and running myself into the ground. And that's not productive. You know, you're not, that's not healthy for you. And at some point that's not going to be healthy and what you're putting out for others. And so I just kind of had to learn to find those moments to find a balance. And in between all of those things I want to work hard at, you know, still put effort into that, still put my time into it, but also a lot little spots of time where I can go and sing because that's something that makes me happy. Watch TV with my family. That's something that makes me happy. Go to church and enjoy my friends and my fellowship groups there. That's something that makes me happy. You know, you don't have to completely cast away all those things you want to work hard at because hard work does get you places. Yeah. Working yourself into the ground is not going to get you. (laughs) You can find those little periods of time, whether that be a day or maybe that's a week sometimes just to relax, sit back, do something you love, rejuvenate, look out for your mental health and then push back into it. Absolutely. That's so good. And, you know, even God, when he created, everything you know he took the seventh day and he rested and I think that's that's honestly kind of funny to me sometimes because I'm like wait but you're God like do you get tired (laughs) um and so I just think that he really was honestly probably just trying to show us that we're going to need rest because in this life it can get crazy and we can work ourselves into the ground if we're not careful and when we do work ourselves into the ground, then we're, we're not going to be able to put our best out there because we're, we're overworked and we're tired. And then for me, I know when I get tired, I start to lose motivation. I'm like, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. But that's kind of the whole point of this podcast is, you know, knowing your why keeps you motivated and it keeps you um, intentional behind everything that you do. And it, um, and so I think that's so important to remember, you know, when, when you're dealing with burnout, then just remember why you do what you do in the first place. And also, like you said, take the time to rest. You don't have to say yes to everything. And that's something that I'm trying to teach myself because I tend to say yes to everything. And I feel like I'm missing out if I don't, but it's so important to learn to when to say no and how to set aside time to do something that you enjoy, whatever that may be. 
Um, so last question, who is someone that inspires you? I kind of said one person who inspires me already being my sister, and she's definitely one of my biggest role models in life. But someone else who really inspires me is my mom. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people's parents inspire them, but my mom, I mean, it's almost kind of hard to find words. She is the hardest working individual with the biggest heart that I um, talk about the perfect epitome of selfless giving. You know, I've seen times where we may have been lacking ourselves, but if someone needs something, she was there to give that helping hand to bring them in, to help them feel comfortable and feel safe and feel loved. So I think she inspires me not only to go after my dreams and to do big things, because my mom's an incredible individual. I mean, she's CEO of an IT company and she co-owns the business with me and my sister and Mm. so many shoes, but while that does inspire me, it is her genuine spirit, her genuine love of all people and desire to be there when someone needs that. It's been something that's really, really pushed me forward in life. And I think it's a large part of why I am the way I am and why I do try and find those people that need someone there and, and bring them in because that's what she does. So she just, I mean, I wish I had enough words, big enough words, grand enough words for what she is, who she is. But she inspires me day in and day out in every aspect of my life. Wow. That's so great. And it's so great to have those kinds of people in your life. And um, just the words that you, the words that you used to describe her were beautiful. And I know that I said that that was the last question, but I want to hear about your small business with your mom and your sister. <laughs> so my sister has always been really into fashion, but Something that she didn't really like is that when you go into stores, a lot of times there's not really a range of sizes. Or if there is, it's not exactly the type of styles and the trendiest styles that everyone wants to be wearing. So she decided she was going to make that happen. Mm -hmm. So August of 2020, during the pandemic, she decided she wanted to open a boutique. We were online at the time. Um, More recently, we moved into our second brick and mortar location. Originally, we were in Fayetteville. We're now in Tyrone, which is our hometown. Um, But we're just basically in the business of making people feel happy and making people feel beautiful. You know, clothes can seem like such a minor thing. We all wear them, whatever, keep going. But there's something in making someone feel absolutely stunning inside that's just unmatched. And so... You know, people come into our store to find clothes, sure, but what we try to do even more than that is give them an experience of love and compassion and just kindness and joy, happiness. And I think working together with them, two of my biggest inspirations in life, is incredible because we all think alike in some ways. And so things are very productive, but also it's a challenge and a challenge that I like because it's easy to butt heads with your mom. Your sister, especially in a setting like that. So it's also taught all of us, I think, a lot about patience and taking a step back and letting others help. And so it's been pretty awesome for me. That sounds awesome. I want to come. I want to come to your store. (laughs) That sounds so awesome. Wow. And I love how 
you know, like you're talking about with clothes, it can seem like such a trivial thing, like, oh, clothes, but like, they really do make a difference. Like when I'm wearing a cute outfit, I feel like I'm ready to succeed in the day. And I feel good on the inside, good on the outside. I'm ready to go. Um, So I can't thank you enough for joining me today and interviewing. You truly are just such a light. I mean, I don't even know what other words to describe you with. Um, You've been a joy to talk to today. So thank you so much. Thank you. And I just want to say, you know, it means the world to me that you invited me on to talk to you. And, you know, I do want to just know, have people know that I am a safe space for them and that they can come to me if they need something. So to have someone reach out with something as incredible as your podcast, where so many incredible women who I admire have been on, you know, it means a lot to me. And so I'm really, really grateful that you thought of me. Thank you so much. Of course, I've been wanting to have you on for a very long time, so I'm so glad we finally got to do it. Thank you so much. I hope you have a wonderful night. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Be Allied podcast. Join us every week for a new episode.